Hi, this is Lara Johnson with the Mom on Purpose podcast. You're listening to the Love Your Story podcast with the amazing Lori Lee. I love the show and I hope you do too. Enjoy this episode. Hey, 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 are you a parent? Today we are talking about raising great humans, parenting hacks from my guests. So welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I am a mom of two fantastic boys. They are grown now and in their 20s. And, you know, in some ways they're even harder now than they were when they were small. As parents, we never stop worrying about them and we never stop wanting the best for them. And, you know, watching them suffer with hard things as they are growing up into adults, gosh, I dare say it's even harder than suffering ourselves. When they were growing up, I always followed the love and logic parenting model because I felt it was very important to teach them responsibility, how to make choices and how to deal with the consequences of their choices. To me, that is just key to being a high functioning adult. And just as that was important to me, I'm sure that each of you as parents have your own favorite parenting styles. I dare say that most of us parent with intention. Today's episode gleans the fabulous parenting tips from past shows and puts them all in one place here in this episode. So with this one episode, you're going to get all sorts of parenting value bombs. So stay tuned for a little parenting pet talk, ideas and inspiration. And hey, maybe if you have some of your own that we haven't talked about, you can hop on the website, loveyourstorypodcast.com. And underneath this episode, there'll be a place to type some notes. I'd love to hear your ideas. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. a mothering coach on hand today. In fact, she's the one that was in the intro sponsoring this show. In episode 229, Lara Johnson talks to us about her work coaching mothers for reaching their full potential and being the best moms that they can be. So let's jump right in with some of her wisdom. So I'm a certified life coach and I help moms, like uh, Lori mentioned, uh, live life on purpose. And what I have found is that the clients that were coming to me, like I've, I've, you know, I've worked from home for a lot of years. I've got, you know, three kids, one more on the way, all the way from 11 down to four. And now we call him womb baby, womb baby will be making his entrance in November. And what I found was that I had a lot of really unique skills on being able to balance motherhood, career, you know, all of those things. But I got to this point where it it was like I had this really good life and I loved my life and it still felt like there was something driving me, like some kind of ringing inside of me that I couldn't answer. 
And what I realized at the time was I was being called, I was being asked, I had like this deeper purpose, my full potential that I wasn't meeting. And that's where things like really started to shift for me was that I didn't just want a good life. I wanted a great life. And I knew that there were more things that that I had inside of me that I needed to share with the rest of the world. But what really started to happen was the more I, I couldn't figure out how to answer that calling and the more I just kind of pushed it aside and thought it wasn't my time or season because I had little kids, the more I became reactive in my motherhood, the more frustrated I became in motherhood, the more angry I got over the messes. It was like this huge disconnect started happening inside of me. And what I realized was I wasn't alone in that. And so, you know, fast forward, you know, many years, you know, I was able to really figure out what that thing was, which is my business that it is today after, you know, going on this, you know, my, my walkabout, my long journey, you know, to get to where I am right now. We won't go into all of those details. Um, but what I found was that that's the common pattern with a lot of moms that I see is that we, they always, a lot of us have these goals of, you know, maybe it's marriage, maybe it's college. And then, you know, at some point we become mothers and then we stop there and we stop dreaming and we stop thinking about, well, what's next for me in my journey and how does that fit in motherhood? And when we're not really clear on who we are anymore and what that purpose is, we become more frustrated in motherhood. Well, and, and I think, can I just add in here? Yes, yes, please. Sorry to interrupt, but I was going to no. say, there's the going to college and the, like you said, the, but I think there's also that space where you go into motherhood and you feel like everything else has to go on hold. So you might yes. know, you might know yes. what your purpose is. You know, maybe you've always been really inclined to be an engineer or whatever it is, but you feel like, oh, if I'm going to have kids, then I have to put that on hold. And then yes. there's this big disconnect. And like the example I shared in the beginning about that woman, just feeling super frustrated of what, you know, the, the pull between both of them. So there's, you know, there's both of those. Yes. Yeah. And then when you, that's such a good point, because then when you really figure out, okay, well, I do know what it is. How do I make that fit? And as women, most of us are carrying the mental and emotional loads of our families. You know, as, as much as like we're creating more partnership, like statistically women are still carrying that load. And so not only is it just the stresses of the family, it's also the stresses of the home that are in the schedules and the managing of all of that. What I hear Lara saying here is that moms need to not sell themselves short. We need to take care of us, honor our dreams and our potential so we don't end up burned out and feeling undervalued and lost because somewhere in it all, we lost ourselves. We are the main engine of our family ecosystem, and that engine needs to be acknowledged and taken care of. You can listen to her whole episode and hear about how she sets up systems in her home to do just that. Um, again, it's episode 229. But this is a great jumping off point for all of us. Self-care. Your dreams are important. You can figure out a way to live that fulfilling life that keeps you healthy for your kids while you're being a mom. I dare say it also sets an example for your kids of the importance of living your best life. One of the things kids need is time and priority. In episode 203, It's All About Family, 
in my interview with Jason Martin, we talk about his book, This Is Your Captain Speaking. Now, he wrote this book just for his family so he could share bits of wisdom with his kids. Um, Really, really great stuff. The whole book is stuff he wanted to pass on to his kids and and let them know. So here's, here's a little quip about his parenting style. I was struck by one of the quotes. You start out your book with, quote, anyone who knows me will tell you that above all else comes family. So let's start out with the question, why? Why for you is that is that the thing that you just rally around? I, I rally around that for a, a bunch of reasons, but the, the primary one is that that gives me clarity in everything that I do. So if I'm ever lost on a direction or struggling to figure things out, I just have to go back to what my number one priority is. And that always seems to provide the answer for me. And I think we live in a world that it's easy to go a bunch of different directions and 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 look at shiny new objects and be all over the place. But when I need clarity, I go back to the thing that matters most to me, and that's my family. You know what I, I love about that is that you are clear. You are very clear on what that is, and you let that serve you as you make decisions. I think that all of us in life would be so much better off if we could do that. And I I also think we give lip service to putting family first a lot. And not that everybody doesn't do a little bit in their own way, but it you know it seems like a almost a silly question of why is putting your family first important to you? Because it seems like a no brainer. Everybody sort of thinks that's what they should do. But what that really looks like in action is maybe very different than, you know, the decisions that we actually make in our everyday lives. So I love that the go-to is when I make a decision, how does this affect my family? Is this in line with family priority? That's a very stabilizing decision-making go-to. Yeah, I I need that in my life because opportunity does does frequently come my way. And it'd be super easy to say yes to a lot of different things. However, I then I look at my schedule and my my own rhythm and my own family and go, okay, two soccer games on a Saturday, hockey practice in the morning, and then Sunday. And all parents out there, they they get this. I'm not telling them anything new, but I look at it and go, am I really willing to sacrifice? what I have going on with my family right now. And usually the answer is, is no. And I want my, my kids and my family to experience the best of me, the best that I have to offer them. And the way I do that is by being present as much as I possibly can in their lives. I like to know what's going on in in their lives. I like to know what page my daughter is on her current book and and uh, I like to know what my youngest is thinking, which usually involves, hey, dad, will you come jump on the trampoline with me? And, <laughs> and my son, what's going on in his world as he's becoming a young man? So there's just things I don't want to miss. And I'm super aware of the fact that their time under my roof, so to speak, is really limited in our lifespan. So people think, well, we got a ton of time. Well, my kids are starting high school fall. My my twins are anyway. And I know what that means. That means the ticker is on for them to be full time under my roof for like four years. So I don't, I don't want to let go of any of it. And that's, that's what the book is really about is just trying to, trying to capture it so that, so that they know how I feel about them forever long after I'm gone from this earth. 
And um, it's a nice reminder for me as well, selfishly, I'll speak selfishly, of where I was in my life at a point in time so that I can reflect on it and just be like, all right, I did it. And 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 what my number one priority was and still is and always will be is, is um, that's it for me. C.S. Lewis agrees with him. Children are not a distraction from more important work, he says. They are the most important work, unquote. Okay, in chapter 12, you strive to teach your kids the importance of having a positive mental attitude. And I love this line. You say, quote, does having a negative attitude ever make things better? (laughs) It's just like it's such a great statement because when those moments come and we are in that not positive attitude place, you just think, if I stay here, it's not ever going to get better. I get to shift this. Tell us the story of the sixth grade teacher. Oh, man, it's uh, the sixth grade teacher. So we walk into our classroom and at the uh, Northern Middle School in Calgary County, Maryland, uh, we were in a trailer outside. Most of you guys can visualize trailers with classrooms. So we go into the trailer and on uh, this big whiteboard are these three letters, PMA. And we sit down in in sixth grade, like everybody's anxious. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of stuff happening in sixth grade. But our, our teacher at the time, Morris Hawkins, very calm gentleman, trustworthy guy, like somebody you just wanted to do good for, sits us down and he says, PMA, we, we were so curious. And then he goes, positive mental attitude. And then he proceeds to tell us exactly what that means. And as simple as it sounds, think about the impact that that lesson that 10 minute or 15 minute lesson where he sat us down in sixth grade has carried with me through my entire life. And I get so excited telling that story because I, I think maybe there's some teachers listening or, or hopefully there will be some here. It's, man, guess what guys? It's not about one plus one or two plus two. It's about a life lesson. It's about how to think. And like, if you look back on, on things that have impacted your life, that was a moment in time for me that that will stick with me until the day I die. So I wanted to share that lesson with my children. And the thing I love about it is it's so simple. It's so simple. But don't we need the reminder? And by the way, the challenge is for everybody listening is tell me a spot where a negative attitude helped you with anything. And I'm not saying it can't be done. I just I would just like to know it, because as I look back on my own life, there's not a single moment where that negative attitude actually helped me. Okay, putting you on the spot. Do it. I knew you might. <laughs> what do you do every day that shows that you put your family first? Mm, man, every day. So we uh, go to bed each night. There's always a hug and a kiss for sure that says, I love you. We, we always do that. I don't walk out the door the next morning without saying that to my family as well. So like that simple move of that, like, I'm going to miss that when they move out of the house. I will I will legitimately cry because I don't have that. Like, we'll still be able to pick up the phone and call, but they're not going to want to hear from dad. I love you every day when I pick up the phone and call them. So that that is a staple every day. And then I like to just have a quick conversation with them about what they did for the day. Like, what did you do? And then ask them a few questions around them. 
because I, I, I hate to say it. Well, I don't hate to say it. It's just reality. With children, they don't necessarily want to talk about you or mom or your day. They want you to know how their day went and they want to tell you about about how their day went. So I just like to be present in that conversation. So like with the game I play with my daughter said, guess what page I'm on on my book, dad? I'm like 128, she'd be like 170. That lets her know that I'm fully engaged in her world. And and I, I like to do as much of that as I can each day. And that's what they get excited about. Even the book, I've actually stopped talking about the book with them unless they approach it with me because it's, you know, I'm doing podcasts and we're doing book signings and stuff like that. They don't, I only want to talk about the book with them if they want to talk about it with me because I want to make it about them. Jason has a lot of great parenting tools on his episode. Check out the whole thing. It's number 203. Now we've talked about taking care of us so that we can be the best for our children. And we've talked about making our kids and family our priority. And we've heard a bit about the importance of spending individual personal time with each child, right? That just, that just makes sense. It's just up to us to make the time of how to do that with each child, what's going to work for them. But the idea is gold. Let's move on to communication. What happens when we enter the teen years and communication gets a little harder? On episode 236 and 237, I talk with Josh Brazier and Holly Henderson, the authors of Bang Head Here, about how to talk with troubled teens more effectively. Let's go into the next obvious question, which is what keeps parents from connecting with their teens and their young adult children? There's some good evidence out there that we talked about early in the previous episode, just around technology and social media platforms. There is an interesting trend that has also taken place that I feel, and and Holly will jump into here as well, is that there's two things going on in our relationships, our direct relationships with our young people, where the role of like being a parent as coach or parent as mentor has really changed to being a parent who wants to be a friend and by being a friend makes excuses for their kids. Mm. And what I mean by that is so often when Holly and I are working with parents is that there has been a trend that, I, that we're seeing of making excuses for behaviors, emotions, and it sounds a funny way of putting it, but just letting things grow in such a way that we are so afraid of how it will affect our relationship with them if we step in that we just don't step in. So you see that a lot, a lot being afraid to hold accountable or to hold a boundary or to push or to coach or to mentor because they're so worried about how they look in their kids' eyes. I can absolutely see that because, and especially with the divorce rate going higher, um, parents don't want, it's very important to them not to alienate their child because that's what they have left. And the child now can go to a different household if, you know, if they're not getting along with one parent. So it becomes sort of, you know, emotionally saving yourself and your connection, which is really cripples the kids. So there's a lot of things that we're working against. In your book, you guys say, quote, your connection with your loved one is incredibly vital to their emotional stability and their healing process. 
unquote. And I love this point because, you know, sometimes in my own family, I wonder if I just need to get out of the way. But that was a reminder to me that I need to do what I can to make a good connection with them because that's going to help them in their process of growth and healing because I'm giving them the secure foundation of knowing that they have a safe place at home, right? Like I'm practicing that communication with them. So me just stepping out of the way and letting them forge forward and not communicating isn't the answer. Um, you know, further in the book, you said that we should be asking questions. What can I do to build a stronger relationship with my loved one so that when they start to struggle, I'm connected enough to help them resolve the conflict? That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah definitely. We got a, a lot of parents that are too far out from this whole concept. If you can start early with younger kids. Yeah. And when when they become adults, you've developed the language, the connection that it's 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 not it's a more stable you know foundation to and so how do we how do we do that how do you create that stable communicative foundation with with children and teens yeah there's there's a lot holly said if we can catch it young meaning like invest instead of having to be on our back foot i think a lot of what's going on with technology and validation is that we're so used to having things like that instant gratification that a lot of parents think that they should implement a skill and that very next day it should work. Right. And so what you have to do is it's just consistency and disengaging, which we talk a lot about in the book is that knowing when your moments are, but also creating moments that are consistent enough. I tell the story a lot is that my dad would take me out on Sunday drives in his little sports car. And it was, it wasn't that every single time we went out, that he was just asking me deep questions about life or telling me things that he was concerned about, but we went every Sunday and I knew that I had a space to talk about things mm -hmm. if I needed to, or that my dad would assert himself and ask me some questions at that time. And so to be able to, to set ourselves up in a way where we look at each one of our childs and find those places where we can invest consistently is, 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 is key to me. And, 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 and Holly, feel free to pipe in, but that's what was, what we, I think we have found in, 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 in the parents that we're working with is there's so much frustration. Oh, it's not working. It's not working. Well, the consistency hasn't been there enough yet. You haven't gained the trust of your child to know that you're not just going to try to go into solving mode, or it's not going to blow up like it did last time, or that you're not just going to be judgmental or impatient with me. And so that consistency and learning how to disengage is really important. Building communication trust. Wow, that's a big one. The idea where you don't go into solving mode, where you listen with curiosity to who your child is and what makes them tick. The safe sounding board. Mm, great advice. Our last brilliant tip today comes from Paul Smith, who is one of the world's leading experts in business storytelling. He's a storytelling coach, a best-selling author of the books, Sell with a Story. But the one I'm focusing on today is his book, Parenting with a Story. So in this clip, when I interviewed him... 
he shares a story of an experience with his father and how sharing that story with his children helps give them roots and also a great illustration of life skills. Like one of the things stories do so well is they illustrate an event. It's not just talking about it. It's an actual story of seeing how something is implemented. And in this story that he shares with us, this this is a great example of this. So the actual tool we're talking about here is using story to parent, to communicate with your kids in a way that's really going to give them something they can remember. You know, we all remember story much better than we remember uh, a bullet list of things or somebody telling us what to do. So when we share those meaningful stories that illustrate what we want our children to um, take away, it's a very powerful tool. You can go to episode 145 to hear all of his story ideas, but here's an example for you. One of the examples in the parenting of the storybooks is actually a story about me and my father. When I was 17 years old, he helped me get a job at the company where he worked to you know, earn money. And um, eventually, and I literally was on the janitorial crew for a year or so, and eventually I, quote, worked my way up to an office job. And it really wasn't a higher level job, but it was, just, it was a cleaner job, which I, I liked at the time. So I was literally a file clerk. And I was so excited when I found out that one day a year, I mean, it was a day that we called at the time Secretary's Day, which I think they probably call Administrative Professionals Day today. But anyway, that one day a year, I found out the, my boss had to take me out to lunch. <laughs> I just thought that was so cool because I got to go out to lunch with all these bosses and all the secretaries or administrators at the time. And I was one of the administrators. I just felt like such a grown up, you know, at 17 years old being in this, this scene. So they rented out this uh, one restaurant because this company I worked for, we all went to the same place for lunch, all the bosses and all the secretaries. And I happened to get seated at a table with my dad and my dad and his secretary. And I was there with my boss. And this is back and I don't know how old you are, but I'll throw this out there. This was back around in 1984, just a year or two after this book came out called Real Men Don't Eat Quiche. For anybody around my age, you know that book well, even if you've never read it. It, it was an absolutely number one New York Times bestselling book. It was a tongue-in-cheek look at the feminization of the American male. So it's basically, it was a humorous look at, at that. But just based on the title, you know that what happened in society around that time was that no man wanted to eat quiche at that point because it was just so you know, stigmatized by the title of that book. Well, anyway, we get to this restaurant. They tell us there's two items on the menu today that you can choose from. One is a club sandwich and the other is a quiche Lorraine. Right. So, of course, you know, the waitresses are coming around taking orders and none of the men are ordering the quiche. And, and you know, some of the women are. <laughs> and it gets around to me. And of course, I'm 17 years old and insecure enough in my masculinity as it is. And so, of course, I very quickly order the club sandwich. And well, it gets around to my dad and he says, you know, I've never had a quiche before. So how about you bring me half a club sandwich and half a quiche? That way, if I don't like the quiche, I got my club sandwich. Well, the abuse started immediately. All the men at the table just started just denigrating my father, challenging his masculinity in words that are probably not safe for a family-friendly program that we've got here. But you can imagine the kind of things that they would have said to him, not to insult him because of his choice of what to have for lunch. Well, this abuse went on for three or four minutes. And of course, I don't know how my dad was internalizing it, but I was mortified, right? I mean, probably more so than if they were making fun of me. These, these guys are just dressing down my dad right in front of me and I'm just sinking down lower into the chair, you know, just horrified. 
Well, eventually he's had enough and he calls the waitress back over and I'm just, oh, you know, thank God. <laughs> this this you know, nightmare is going to end. And he says, I'm sorry, I need to change my order. I, I'm the one that ordered that half a club sandwich and half a quiche. I need you to take back that half a club sandwich and I need you to bring me the whole quiche. <laughs> and I mean, the jaws at the table just dropped, you know, because they were already high-fiving each other because they had like, they'd broken his will, you know, and, uh-huh. um, you know, and in the first few seconds, I was even more mortified. But then, you know, less than a minute later, it sunk into me. What brilliant thing just happened in front of me? You know, my dad, without intending it, had taught me a lesson about what it really means to be a man or an adult. And that right. is that you just don't care so much what other people think of you. And if you want to eat a quiche, by God, eat the quiche. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I just I could, like your dad already. Just oh, yeah. Sorry, I like him. My respect for him just went up, you know, so many notches right there. And he didn't even mean to do that, but it worked. And anyway, so I now share that story with my kids when they are faced with some kind of peer pressure at school or get trying to basically getting bullied into doing something they don't want to do. You know, I tell them that story and it teaches them, oh, you know, it gives them a clever response strategy. So, for example, if the kids at school are making fun of my boy for wearing his pants up too high, you know, like it's popular mm-hmm. to wear them kind of hanging off the waist and your underwear showing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't want to do that, but either pressuring him to do it instead of just capitulating and instead of arguing about it or getting in a fight over it, he can just do it more <laughs> like he can eat the quiche. So, that, mm-hmm. so that's what we say now. So he would pull his pants up even higher instead of pulling them down lower. And then, of course, that would just confuse his tormentors. Like, what are you doing? We're, we're telling you they should be lower. You know? and, and he can pull them up even higher. And now he's looking like Urkel, right? Walking around with a way <laughs> to his chest. Like eventually they're just going to get frustrated and walk away because their teasing and tormenting is not working. So anyway, that's the kind of story that I'm talking about and how it can have a practical use in your child's life. Well, and powerful, particularly because it is so powerful to give your children roots. So when you're sharing your story or stories of like this is with your father, there's something to be proud of. And then you're building on where they come from and examples. And so really on multiple levels, you're providing something Mm -hmm. very powerful for them. I love that. this episode has given you some new ideas or reinforced great things you're doing with your family relationships. Creating your best life on purpose absolutely involves kids and family and parenting. These are our most important relationships to curate with intention. Hey, join me in two weeks for my interview with Taylor Proctor. She is a spicy little redhead who has what she calls the I move method that teaches us how to lean into curiosity and possibility to create our really big dreams. So we'll see you in two weeks. And hey, a shout out to Laura Johnson for her sponsor of this show. She is the host of the Mom on Purpose podcast. And if you're a mom, you are really going to love taking in her show as well. She's a great mothering coach. So share this with somebody who needs it. That's, you know, that could be your good deed for the day. Send it out there into the world. And we'll see you in two weeks for my interview with Taylor Proctor. Taylor Proctor.